And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we move into a Thursday. Gary, good morning. Good morning. It was a good day yesterday. I I got my lawn work done. All right. It's always, always good. I mean, we've had a lot of rain and, and things like that, but we got wind. And I love doing my lawn when it's nice and warm out. And we have 20 to 25 mile an hour winds because I don't have to clean up. Yeah. The wind just takes it over next door. Yeah. I, just, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And and even past next door. Yeah. And everybody's out doing it and stuff's <laughs> like three or four neighbors out and their stuff's flying by me. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, whatever. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't have any leaves, you know, in my yard that are mine. This time of year. I, I know. None. It's all from other. I had a, a neighbor across the street one time. He came out and he said, you know, you need to get the type of tree that I have, the live oak. And he says, because I was out there sweeping leaves. And I said, these are your leaves. And he stopped cold. He says, what? I said, no, look at them. They're live oaks. They're not. They're not from my trees. And he goes, oh, well, have a good day. <laughs> you know who I pity? I, uh, I, I pity the guy at the end of the street. Yeah. Well, act, act, because my street takes a turn. Right. And yeah. so there's somebody that's got a house facing yeah. you know, on both so- on both ends. And yeah. and so they're yeah. just getting pounded. I, just, I have a cul-de-sac at the end of my street. But it goes out into it, you know. It 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 does not. It's not a dead end. So it's a circle. It's a cul-de-sac. But there's an outlet that goes to another street. But it's the same thing. And when the water hits, when the when the heavy rain hits, anything in the street goes down to there, right in front of their house. So yeah, I. uh yeah. I got in the habit of years ago of helping my neighbors on each side of me. Uh, on one side, uh, she's older and she's single. She has family members, but they don't come around as often. And on the other side, uh, my neighbor who passed last year, uh, in his later years, I was 
just helping a little bit. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing his lawn for him. His son does that, but I was helping, you know, kind of keep it cleaned up. You know, I'd bring the leaves over to my side and when I was doing my lawn and then clean it all up all at once. So now I've kind of taken that on. And and there's a thing, you can't stop that. <laughs> once you begin that habit of helping your neighbors in that way, you can't just stop and say, okay, no more. Because then you look like the jerk. So I keep it going. It's good exercise. Well, we've got a great show today coming up. Yeah. No, uh, no, no. What? No, 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 no. We got breaking news. Okay. Starting with breaking news. This is probably the only story we're going to talk about for the next five hours. All right. A proposed California bill could ban the sale of Skittles, <laughs> hot tamales candy, <laughs> Double bubble twist gum. No, no, not the twist gum. No, not not double bubble. You could, you could. I know. How old is? How long is it? Every piece of double bubble tastes twenty years old. No, and it's always tasted that old. I want everybody to know. Yeah, I have not heard this story. Yeah. So Eric knows. I have no idea where this is going. It came up in my Google alerts because I. uh, The only word I have in my Google alerts is candy. (laughs) <laughs> so I didn't see this. and other food items containing chemicals that the legislation's supporters say are toxic and dangerous introduced by assembly members uh, jesse gabriel and buffy wicks <laughs> okay <laughs> All right. Are, is that is this a Willy Wonka story? <laughs> I don't know. Well, hello, Buffy Wicks. You have the golden ticket. What are the chemicals in Skittles? Well, here it is. AB four eighteen. I'm gonna start it. I'm gonna start I don't even live there, but I'm gonna start a campaign against AB fourteen four eighteen. Okay. Proposes that California stop manufacturing selling or distributing foods, they legalize marijuana, by the way. But <laughs> stop manufacturing, selling, or distributing foods that contain red dye number three. What do the edibles contain? Titanium dioxide, potassium bromate, brominated vegetable oil, or propyl paraben. Brominated vegetable oil. I don't want to touch that. There, there's a lot of that in. Actually, I have a. Uh, I think I have a soda that has right now. I think I have a soda that has brominated vegetable oil. Yeah, it, in a soda. Yeah, no, they. I don't a, want an and hydrogenated vegetable oil too. Yeah, um, it it supposed supposedly it keeps everything properly mixed. I don't know. What do I know? And uh, so there, and and propyl paraben, which is the type of uh, wax. So, uh, this is why I will never, ever, ever live in California. <laughs> ever. You see, LA got a t- tornado. Yeah, that was crazy. They're getting they're getting the the weirdest weather. They really are. Um, but here's here's the thing. We'll bring two of the thoughts together. They legalized weed, but if you get the munchies, you're out of luck. Go eat a salad. Oh, wait a minute. I've got an audio cut here. All right. Since you mentioned California. All right. What do you got? I have an, an, an audio cut here, Okay. and and it's Maxine Waters. 
Yeah. Okay. And by the way, this is all. Just so you know, this isn't playing. We're not trying to tie. I, when you no, said California, yeah. right. I went, oh, yeah, let me get this this audio from Maxine Waters. Yeah. And right. this is on the bank, banking crisis. Okay. That may be bigger than we thought. Mm. Much bigger than we thought. All right. Here we go. My staff and I have been working around the clock to get to the bottom of what led to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Now, Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley Bank, yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, so we were wondering, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and since uh, that elective surgery is, is done, uh, I, I, can't, I can't just say it's women anymore. No, how no, dare you? Since that elective surgery, it's considered elective surgery, people have to take loans out. You know, now, Eddie, is this, is Eddie this, Azard got that surgery. I did, I did not know that. True story. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So, Silicon Valley Bank is one area. I didn't know Silicon Valley Bank right. was in trouble in L.A. Now, they, yeah. I do believe they have, they're in L.A. I think mm-hmm. they do have a couple of branch offices in Dallas. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> yeah. I think one in Malibu. One in Miami. <laughs> and like four in Miami. <laughs> they're like Starbucks in Miami. <laughs> yes, they're yeah, everywhere. I so, I think it's a drive-through <laughs> in Miami. Now we we're we're not we're not sure if those are all unsecured loans or whether there are assets tied to it. Oh, they're they're assets. They're tangible assets. assets. Okay, I just but uh, I'm glad to see though that uh, Maxine Waters is concerned about Silicon Valley. Yes, Bank. Silicon Valley yeah, Bank. Just. You knew it was bound to happen. At some point, it was bound to happen. We've been waiting for that soundbite for four weeks. <laughs> it was inevitable. Since we're doing this, we have to play Kamala Harris. All right. All right. By the way, this the, the beginning of the show is not organized at all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> and we haven't hit any of the we're real just... big topics yet. But, but they're coming. Everybody yeah. knows it. Yeah. But uh, Kamala Harris... Yesterday during Women's History Month. All right. Mm. Okay, here we All go. Right. So during Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history. <laughs> is, she, is, she just, is it ad lib or do they, because we've asked this question many times, you know, she gets on a word and she just sticks with she that just word. just repeats it. And is, is, that, is that the speech writer or is that ad lib? You would think... Because there's, you know, all, and by the way, I do believe they included men in celebrating Women's History Month. Oh, Just yeah, so everybody well, knows. Okay, men yeah. must be included right, yeah. in celebrating Women's History Month. That's yeah. It. Yeah, I think so. I think it's only fair. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, and I did get, I did get a, a, a tweet. Yeah, okay. It was from a woman who said, I, uh, uh, the story was out yesterday that the Florida legislator, you saw that one guy, the Republican who got hit for COVID fraud. Yeah, right. And, and I, I, I think it was a tweet from a, either a, I can't, I go through so much stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely somebody who disagrees with us. Right, yeah. And and then had the story, you know, that I think it was from Associated Press. I'm doing this from memory now because I saw it a while back. And um, it was saying that, uh, you know, that, uh, 
that he is the one, one of the sponsors or introduced uh, the the law. She referred to it as the don't say gay law, which, of course, right. it's not. It I is, heard Fox News refer to it as that yesterday. Yeah, which which, of course, it is. It is it not. Isn't. It is. It is the uh, again, not teaching sexualized content to five year olds. But it was interesting really to get into a liberal's mind who said, uh, I can't wait to see if Eric and Gary talk about this and talk about how bigoted it is. Yeah. Like, what? Try, yeah, try, trying to make the case that it's – and try Eric and Gary trying to make the case that it's not bigoted. What does it have to do with bigotry? It's law-breaking, yeah, isn't it's it? it's law-breaking. And, That's and, the and as we've, all, we've always stated on the show, mm-hmm. he pleaded guilty. He should be punished to the fullest extent of the yep. law. Yep. And and because he did that does not does and I, that that's what I find interesting about liberals and in, in their mind. All right, so what you're saying is since he broke the law, mm-hmm. since he does not want sexualized content being taught to five year olds, mm-hmm. that somehow his criminal behavior makes the fact that he believes sexualized content should be not taught to five-year-olds without parents' permission is immoral, that because of his criminal activity, that that, in your opinion as a liberal, makes that a moral law to teach sexualized content to five-year-olds. I guess that's the mentality behind it, which is bizarre, but it's yeah. just, it's an idea of, it, to me, I thought it was a wonderful way to get in, and I'm glad that that uh, she, uh, she uh, wrote it, because it's fascinating to see how their minds work, because one has nothing to do with the other. No. Yeah, no. Um, you break the law, yeah. uh, then you should be punished for it accordingly. Yeah, so it's just, pretty simple. Just my <laughs> get a kick and, and the fact is you can tell she's like i'm gonna get them on this uh-huh. <laughs> i'm gonna get them on the, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I found the floor. uh-huh no you okay one has nothing to do with the other you you judge each individual behavior uh by its own merits right you commit fraud you're punished mm-hmm. if you're against teaching sexualized content to five-year-olds you're justified. Right. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. But the think about that. The liberal's mind that actually thinks they have a point. And that was what I read that and got the I burst out laughing going, she thinks she has us? It's like, I, I, I guess. I, I've got them. Aha. I've got them. Like, Aha. No, you don't. Law breaking, put it in jail. Sponsors a good law. It's a good law. That's right. <laughs> there's there's good law there's bad law taking my skittles is bad law exactly <laughs> you can take my skittles from my cold dead orange yellow red and green stained pudgy fingers <laughs> we've got a great show ahead 86690 red eye it's not always easy to spring back from the harsh days of winter to warmer months ahead from de-icing chemicals to hidden debris underneath snow and ice Winter conditions can do serious damage to your truck. Here's a must-do maintenance check to help you minimize downtime and stay rolling. Have your batteries tested and inspect your electrical system for any exposed connections, wires, or butt connectors. Get any exposed components repaired immediately, as the acidic nature of highway de-icers will erode any exposed connections or wires in no time at all. 
This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the -the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690. Uh, Red Eye, I want to play this audio cut from Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday. Uh, the question is being uh, asked, and, of course, she can't answer it. And then, uh, what? well, she doesn't answer it and then answers it, but doesn't answer it as she's answering it. <laughs> Here we go. House Oversight says they've got bank records showing a Chinese energy company paying three Biden family members through a third party. What were they paid for? Look, I'm just not going to respond to that from here. Look, we have heard from House Republicans for years and years and years um, how uh, how the inaccuracies and lies when it comes to this issue. And I don't even know where to begin to even answer that question because, again, it's been lies and lies and inaccuracy for the past uh, couple of years, and I'm just not going to get into it from here. So on this issue, there's been lies and lies and lies. She doesn't get into any specific lie. Yeah. It says it's been going on for years. Right. And years and years. On on this issue. Yeah. On men and yeah. And, and, and the and the fact but I love how I'm not gonna answer it, but I am gonna answer it by just saying that everything so far on this has been lies and lies and lies and inaccuracies, and that's not true. It hasn't been all lies and we all know it. And the fact is, it's not Republicans lying here. It's Republicans because nobody has stated, no one has stated that what they got from the Treasury Department was bogus. No. And what the Republicans are reporting is not what the banks actually had in their in uh, their suspicious activity reports that were filed with the Treasury Department. And the Treasury Department gave it to Republicans. And so there really is this push from the administration 
and even the media, because we talked about this the other day, to say, well, this is the Republicans pushing this. The Republicans say that they have these. No, it's not the Republicans saying. It's the actual documents from the banks that the Treasury Department has had. Yeah. And nobody yeah. is stating that those suspicious activity reports are somehow fraudulent from the banks. Right. Is the Treasury Department lying? Are those reports well, lies? Yeah, yeah if you, if, because Yellen... You have a point. Yellen heads it, so yeah, they're they're probably all lies. <laughs> yep, I guess so. <laughs> Janet Yellen is lying about the Biden family. About the Biden family. Yes. Oh, <laughs> woo! Well, that didn't take long. Oh man, man, I'm all out of popcorn. Oh man, some of her testimony yesterday. Oh my oh, gosh, it was horrible. Seriously. And who let the lunch lady be, become the head of the treasury? No, department. it's it's really horrible. It really is. It was just bad yesterday. We'll get some. We'll have some audio on that coming up uh, also on the uh, the show today. Mm. Uh, there's a headline: Chaos at court as Trump grand jury hearing is canceled. You know the sources are saying it's a complete mess inside of there. Yeah, the witness who was supposed to testify Wednesday afternoon was supposedly someone who was going to uh, re- uh, rebut Costello. Let's mm. mm-hmm. say supposedly. That's yeah, what, you know, and right. so we're not really boy. We sure know a lot of information about a top secret grand jury, don't we? Right. Uh, and and uh, and then the the uh, New York Post. I haven't tied it all together yet, but the New York Post coming up with that letter from Hunter Biden's lawyer, saying no, uh, not not Hunter Biden. I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. I'm excuse me. I'm mixing up scandals. <laughs> From uh, Cohen's lawyer, yeah, uh, that where where the lawyer says, "Oh no, 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 he paid for it. He did it completely. He uh, Trump had nothing to do with it whatsoever." And it's from Cohen's lawyer, and the New York Post have it. So we'll have that story and more all coming up. It's just turning into a mess. It really is. On your smart speaker, say, play Red Eye Radio. And, if you're really nice, she might. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, grand jury uh, did not meet yesterday, Bragg's uh, grand jury. They put on standby, the New York Post says, they're put on standby for Thursday because it's unclear whether the witness would be available Thursday, a source said. But court workers began making preparations late Wednesday afternoon for the testimony to take place on Thursday. I don't know what you have to do. to It's a courtroom. Uh, there's a chair and a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Wednesday's turn of events came as a source with ties to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office told the New York Post, that Bragg was concerned following Costello's testimony. No blank, Sherlock! A spokesperson for the DA's office uh, denied this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the source said the last thing he wants is for the grand jury to vote against him. He wants a no-doubt-about-it case. He is pressuring the Trump-obsessed 
to step up and prove the case. A source inside Bragg's office also said there's a substantial number of assistant district attorneys who were shaking their heads over Bragg's decision to pursue Trump. They don't understand how this case is going forward. These ADAs are not fans of Trump, but they are professional lawyers and know the law. That's a quote. Yeah. Fox News also reported major dissension inside Bragg's office, Hmm. with one source saying the weakness of the evidence against Trump was posing problems for prosecutors. A spokesperson for Bragg declined to comment, saying in an email, we can't confirm or comment on grand jury matters. Now, with all of that, the from the New York Post, a newly surfaced letter from 2018 shows Michael Cohen lying to federal election officials about his infamous $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels, which later helped send him to prison, the letter obtained by the Post on Wednesday Hmm. emerged as the disbarred lawyer appeared poised to become the star witness in an unprecedented criminal case against his ex-boss, former President Donald Trump. In it, Cohen told the Federal Election Commission that he used his own personal funds to facilitate a payment of $130,000 to Ms. Stephanie Clifford, who is Daniels, in 2016. Hmm. Quote, neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford and neither reimbursed Mr. Cohen for the payment directly or indirectly. Cohen lawyer Stephen Ryan wrote on February 8th, 2018. Hmm. Hmm. But a little more than six months later, Cohen changed his tune and copped a plea to a laundry list of federal crimes that included making an excessive campaign contribution to Trump by paying Daniels to keep quiet about her alleged 2016 affair with him. Trump has denied cheating. So now you've got Costello saying it. You've got, and, you know, we held up that, you know, piece of paper, and nobody has accused him of violating or lying or committing uh, perjury mm-hmm. in the grand jury because, mm-hmm. you know, he made it clear, you know, that uh, there is no attorney-client privilege because he had worked for Cohen. Right, and Cohen waived it. And and Cohen waived it, and Cohen said he doesn't know about it, and he goes, here it is right here. I've got it right here in my hand. Here it is on Fox News. Yesterday, I've got the, the that signed. If that ends up being true and nobody has come after, you think that somebody would come after Costello and no one has yet. Right. And then with this letter that the Post has from uh, the lawyer, is that what happened? Is that what happened today? Is you, it, Wednesday? Is, is, is that what happened? Because the Post said they got it. Yeah. Is that what happened? What stopped this debt? It was not just Costello or... Was this or a le- combination of the two, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Or, or or that the well Costello, and then this letter got to the prosecutor. But you're telling me that he didn't have it already? If this was from 2016, 2018, 2018, was it 2018? Yeah, 2018. 
that that I mean, how bad is this prosecution if he didn't have that? How are you? Well, he's clearly not. Look, vetting Cohen is not hard. <laughs> it's already been, you know, there's already been the prosecution and cases against Cohen himself. So it should be obvious going in. If this is going to be your star witness, if he's going to flip on Trump, then he better be at least credible to this extent in being able to back up all these claims, which are the foundation of your charges against Trump. Those are the things that it's I don't know how every step of the way that wouldn't be measured. And it seems like this week. It's quite possible that the rug is coming under, uh, coming out from under Bragg's feet, based on essentially Cohen being a liar. That's those are the possibilities we're looking at right now. I mean, Cohen is a liar, I believe. But if he's lying about all these things, the very fundamentals. Think about that. Well, I didn't know. I I I don't remember. Waiving attorney-client privilege? Well, think about Costello again. You have to ask yourself, what motive would Costello have? He could be disbarred and go to jail for coming forward and proactively. This is somebody who reached out and wanted to testify. Yeah, And, the, and, and lying to a grand right. jury will get you sent to jail. And and as they pointed out, this is that, you know, that... Uh, the letter proves that he lied to the Federal Election Commission. Now, which is the lie, though? They don't they don't state. Mm. But because there's the letter from the lawyer and his then changing his mind mm-hmm. to the Federal Elections Commission, which they still, you know, again, didn't hold Trump in violation of federal election laws, as they did Hillary Clinton, as mm-hmm. we all know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had to throw that in. Uh, but. I mean, it's it's so it's so damning. You may this this could be a ham sandwich that you might not be able to. It's so bad that you may not be able to get this ham sandwich indicted. Yeah, and if you do, how does this even get through a judge? I I don't know. I think the motion to dismiss is going to be very interesting to watch if it ever gets that far. That's the first thing Trump's lawyer will do. I mean, it just yeah. By the time, by the time I was time to go to sleep yesterday afternoon, I was just shaking my head, saying, "This is unbelievable." I mean, there. I mean, it's it's just. And I had said it two days ago. I kept saying, "What am I missing? What am right. I missing? How right. can you be doing this?" Apparently, we weren't missing anything, right? On this. No, it seems that Bragg is, if yeah. if any part of this is accurate. Costello or the letter, then, then it, it's Bragg who missed a ton of stuff because you bring in your star witness and you believe him based on what? How is it that documents are, are showing up now that are countering your star witness's claims? How did you not get those documents? 
And the only thing I, you know, I, only thing I could think of, and I kept saying it over and over again because it was like, you know, you know any DA is not, not going to bring a case like this if if these if these are the parameters, if th- this is the substance of the case, it, you you can't bring this. You can't bring this. How delusional do you have to be? I mean, you you can't. Po- and I went, well, wait a minute. This is the same DA that said we're not going to charge you with the felony if you commit an armed robbery as long as you don't shoot the gun. Mm-hmm. You can use the gun right. when to you instill fear, but if right. you pull the trigger, then we're not going to pursue a, a felony. If you don't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, if you and, don't pull the trigger. And so you see that and you go, well, this guy's completely delusional to begin with. When you look at it, when you just say in general, you can't rise to this level and have this poor of a case, you just say, I don't care what politics you are. And then you go, oh, wait a minute, this is the guy that said he isn't going to prosecute. So if that's the base mindset of the, del- the delusion of of brag well then of course he could do this well because if if his mind is set on going after and prosecuting a former president then you don't see anything else when you had schumer come out yesterday schumer couldn't answer schumer well we'll have to see what they have and everything else mm-hmm. i'm really not going to comment mm-hmm. on it mm mm-hmm. And you notice everybody really has sort of gone quiet on it. Right, right. Well, Mark Kelly probably went the furthest when he you know, nobody is above the law. Well, what law did he break? What do you mean yeah. nobody is above the law? What law? By the way, he's getting pounded on for his censoring comment. Mm-hmm. See that? The, yeah. We talked about that a couple of days ago. He's getting mm-hmm. pounded on that mm-hmm. one. Saying, and hey, that may come back to haunt you, buddy. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah, you finally say something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but this maybe, is the... maybe maybe because of the bank crisis, we need to be censoring on. Mm. You know, what about censoring on social media? Yeah. What about keeping the disinformation? It's like, oh my right. God, shut up! Right. Yeah, yeah. We should. Uh, me and my colleagues should work together on this, yeah. which means we should create a law to censor people that would censor people and the internet. And as oh we said, gosh. the best thing really possible would be to uh, uh, censor, uh, you know, uh, Janet Yellen and the Treasury Department on this. Well, if you want to talk about instilling fear, uh, just simply based on the lack of competence, I'd say Jerome Powell uh, and the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, are both right up there. They clearly don't, neither one of them have a clue. They don't have a clue. And this has been, you know, this has been, uh, I don't know how many lessons we have to learn. Who was the guy that was the uh, investor last week, the guy that runs some fund we, mm-hmm. we talked about on the air that just said, people believe they know what they're doing. They mm-hmm. have no idea what they're doing. Right. And you and I talked about when Jerome Paul came out, what was it, last year? Sometime in 2022? Mm-hmm summer before and he's well we're not you know we're not really sure about this inflation we're not yeah really we're, sure. we're just learning you know, how we're, this we're learning whole inflation how this thing works works and it's just like and we said at the time you're fired you're gone you're yeah. just you're an idiot right you're what do you mean what do you you're mean stupid you to even say out? that out loud and we'll get to the inflation thing coming up following the top of the hour because mm. that was a zoo yesterday yeah i mean it's it's like it doesn't matter what you do you're getting criticized from both sides Oh, so inflation is okay. Well, and then and then you've got even in National Review, they were saying 
uh, one guy in National mm. Review was saying you shouldn't have raised the interest rates because mm. the banking is a problem, and so you need to let inflation go. What a yeah, there, there what was a cluster. Yeah, it, it really was uh, beyond and and you've got to do something about inflation. But honestly, he could have he could have hit the brakes. They could have done zero yesterday because he's not serious about inflation. If he were, interest rates would already be higher. And you saw there's concern, but they're saying there shouldn't be too much concern now about mortgage-backed securities Mm -hmm. because they're long-term at very low interest rates too. Right. Well, it's like, uh, you know, Janet Yellen. Look, for all you banks, don't worry about the banks. Listen, nobody needs to worry about the banks. We're going to be there for you. Well, that tells us that you're worried about, about the, the banks. banks. Yeah, we talked about that. Yesterday. This is the replay of 2008, 2009 all over again. Yep. Mortgage-backed securities. No, nah, it's not a problem. It's not a problem because you guys are in permanent bailout mode. And if you have to talk about it all the time, it tells me you believe it is a problem. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Well, you know, I didn't. Uh, I I didn't see this a month ago. Uh, this headline: The Fed tries to thread the needle on interest rates, mm-hmm. trying to make it so okay, we need to control inflation, but we can't because of our policies over the last decades. We need now not to control inflation like we thought we had to a month ago, because if we raise the interest rates, we're afraid. We could hurt the banks. Mm-hmm. Just shaking my head on that one. Uh, we we could we could start a banking crisis, mm-hmm. and so we'll get to that coming up. Plus, there you go. Mm. Uh, Biden blocks mineral mineral mining that you need for his clean energy goals. Oh, we talked about this. Yeah, now he's doing it. Yeah. Well, that didn't take long. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, 86690-RED-EYE. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Which would love if you could listen live overnight. Yeah. Thank you. Many people have, uh, if they have insomnia, they listen to us and then we put them back to sleep again. Yeah, or they have a a job where they work all night. (laughs) Suckers. 
jobs where you work all night. You know, I don't know how much I've got to say about the the whole thing. I mean, I'm just reading here the Wall Street Journal. The Fed tries to thread the needle. Yeah. If we're lucky. <laughs> this is Jerome Paul wants you to know the American banking system is safe and he will get inflation under control. If we're all lucky, maybe both will turn out to be true. That's the optimistic take anyway on what you might call the Fed's thread the needle policy meeting this week. And then talks about what they uh, they uh, they did and uh, said, you know, remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about a 0.5% uh, increase yeah, because, right. uh-oh, uh, inflation's not being controlled. Right, right. And and uh, say right here, that's out of step with inflation that remains well above the Fed's 2% target and the central bank's prediction that the, in, the inflation will fall rapidly this, this year may be too optimistic given its poor forecasting record. <laughs> as, Mr. Pa- as Mr. Powell noted in his press conference only two weeks ago, the price data had signal signaled higher inflation. But then came silicon, not silicone, Mm. Silicon Valley Bank's failure and other turmoil that has exposed the threats that rapidly rising rates pose to a financial system distorted by more than a decade of very loose money monetary policy. What they're saying is everything that we see now and the reason that the Fed has to say, well, well, we really can't try to control inflation here at the moment because we don't want the banking system to collapse. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Yeah. All the situation all created by the Fed and Congress mm-hmm. with the spending, mm-hmm. the loose monetary policy and the spending and the debt creation. Like we said, everything you see now, not because of a war, not because of a natural disaster. Not because of a comet heading our way. Mm -hmm. This was all done. In my opinion, it was all done to, to, to be able to massively increase the debt in the United States and not have any consequences to it over that, you know, 12 year period. That's how I see it. I don't know how else you can cut it. Why the hell else would the Fed manipulate the interest rate to have it the way that it was for the last it was 11, 12 years? Yeah. Why would they do that? What would be the purpose of doing that when it's never been that case before? Right. We never did this for this length of time ever. Because you want to be able to borrow irresponsibly and not pay interest on it. Yep. Which eventually would cause the inflation, help to cause the inflation that you see today. So, I mean, I, I say I don't want to – I'm sounding like Kareem Jean-Pierre now. I don't want to say much about it, and then I can't stop talking about it. Well, it's – it was inevitable, and it was never going to be the case that we were going to stay at zero on interest rates. It just wasn't. The spending was going to get us to this point, and that was going to then require that you raise the interest rates. And, again, I go back to something we talked about I think the first time we mentioned it was last year. And the idea of going from zero 
to now, the Fed target as of yesterday uh, is uh, 4.75 to 5. Well, when you, you know, over a period of years when you do that, then expect uh, that, you know, when you when you borrow, 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 expect that it's going to have the consequence that it had and that eventually you're going to have to hit the brakes on the economy. But I don't think that Jerome Powell is is serious about hitting the brakes on the economy. They really do believe they can thread the needle. But the problem is, is that you're getting into stagflation territory here where inflation is still hot and you have interest rates rising, slowing the economy, to, but not to the extent that you need. You're not getting ahead with, uh, I think, most analysts, they believe it needs to be 6 or higher on the Fed target rate. And as we've stated all along, is exactly how they end their editorial in the Wall mm. Street Journal. Mm. For now, Mr. Powell is hoping he can both calm markets and break inflation. It's a difficult act. But then the monetary mania followed by inflation and the financial panic are problems of the central bank's creation. Mm-hmm. That's why it now has to thread the needle. And I guess it's just, you know, part of me, you know, I, we report these things, so we do it. But I just, I shake my head because it's just a continuation of something that we've been talking about for the longest time, that every single major problem we face here in the country has been because government has caused it. And for the most part of it, it has been liberal governments that have caused it. Every single problem Every major problem that we face today has been the creation of the government. The government creates the problems and then tells you they're going to solve it and then celebrates if they believe there's any movement on solving the problem that they created. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Right. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's so, it, it's so incredible to sit here and think we live in the United States of America and we live in a nation of idiots. With everything, everything in our history, for everything that we've accomplished, and we live in a nation of idiots with no critical thinking and no common sense, and those people are squarely embedded in our monetary policy. Yeah, and and now you're hearing this from analysts uh, yesterday. This seemed to be the well. We don't know if this is enough or too much. Uh, one of those was the head of Wells Fargo's. Macro strategy, Michael Schumacher. Hard to say whether they've done enough or too much. Well, what this gets into now is the conversation that changed after the banks collapsed. And the left just wants to wants the Fed to hit the brakes, maybe even re- reverse interest rates. If you get to that point, if you get to that point of them reversing interest rates in the next 18 months to two years, then it's clear. Well, first of all, the idea for the fiscal policy would be, well, we can just keep doing this. And people will have to learn to live with inflation. It's the new normal. That's All a, these that, things that's that... A, that's, a, that's a tough political sell. It's 
It's impossible, but that's what they believe. This is They're already calling for it. They know how it works. Well, Elizabeth Warren is. That's what I mean. Elizabeth Warren, I mean, the I The left I, wants this. They they want yeah. they they want to reward the high spending. They want you to believe that it wasn't a result of the spending to begin with. They believe you're stupid. But they want this reversed. They want the interest rates back down. And that's going to be the call more and more. And when you start hearing analysts say it, well, we don't know. Maybe it is too much. Then great. Welcome to inflation being the new normal. Far above 2%. And exactly what we feared that we didn't want to see a repeat of. Exactly. The 1970s inflation. Right. That. Right. That I remember. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I remember my dad coming home from work. They were waiting to close on a house. And the rate had jumped. And it was painful. And, you know, those are the things that you see over and over again. You know, the uh, the inflation, uh, the, the interest rates still being fairly high com- by comparison. I don't think they're going to go back to zero. So if you come in and you cut it, let's say in the next 18 months they cut it, a quarter or a half percent. You're just saying you're okay with inflation at that point. And you're really not yeah. doing much to change the economy because inflation still or, or rates are still going to be higher than they were a couple of years ago. And by comparison, especially with housing and, and things like that, you're not going to be making much of an improvement, if any at all. Yeah, it's, fr- it's really frustrating to see this. It really is because so many Americans are going to now suffer, but it's the people that they voted for mm-hmm. that they put into office mm-hmm. that, and they don't like to admit it. Now, if you're a conservative, you didn't. But as we found out, a lot of people, as we found on the last couple of days, a lot of people believe they're fiscal conservatives, mm-hmm. but are not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we had a caller yesterday who he had to explain that he was not a conservative because he thought, we should have reparations because it, by reparations, it would improve the overall economy. Right. Now, he was either a seminar caller or he is somebody, and we've had it before, who believes they're a conservative mm-hmm. because it sounds cool, but they're not. Right. Yeah, it's either or. Yeah. But so. but here's the problem. That politically, nobody wants to be in this situation. This is why Elizabeth Warren is calling for the reversal. And then saying that you're going to kill the banks, you're going to kill more small banks if you do this. If you keep going this direction, it's going to kill more and more banks. And then Yellen comes in, well, we'll cover all the small banks too. Right. Well, then you're basically saying the entire banking industry can be as irresponsible as they want to. Go to town. Because... They can add more risk because right. they can't fail. Right. And then on the other end, well, then we're going to have to tighten the regulations. And then we get just like we do in inflation that government makes all the wrong decisions. It gets us in a horrible situation. And then they, in essence, 
by policy, nationalize the bank and control the banks and have much more control over the free flow of capital. It was always going to be the case that when the government gets in and uh, they are the, you know, don't worry, we've got your back, big brother, in a situation like this, and you take the risk out of banking, the government takes the risk out of banking, then expect that the government's going to come back and and apply a lot more regulatory pressure. That's going to be the case. And and let's yeah, let's understand that this is sort of like the student loan program where they say it's forgiveness, where it's actually transfer. This is not the elimination of risk. Mm-hmm. It's the transfer of risk to you, the task taxpayer. Right. That's what it is. Right. No, we all will be paying more yep. banking fees one way or the other. Yep. 86690 red eye. Most owner operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, and we we talk about this now with the problem that the Fed has. It's also a problem for the Democratic Party yeah. because in, that means they are not going to be as aggressive and trying to get down inflation, and that's going to hit. That's going to hit now. And, and, and I haven't seen a forecast. I'd like to see somebody forecast it out. Because if the Fed is going to slow down what they're going to be doing now, how long will, and you and I talked about this yesterday, how will, long will this extend inflation over 2%? Right. If if you take this and expand it out. Right. And the problem is it's so bad right now when you see the cost of, of, uh, of, of prices out there. I was uh, reading that it was a pizza place that had a dollar a slice and now it's a dollar fifty. That's a 50% increase. Right. You know, you look at that, and and that was just an example that I saw the other day. Someone saying, "Well, that hit people where they said, okay, now I realize inflation's bad because you've just, you know, you that slice of pizza just went up.'" And they were talking to people around this pizzeria 
don't even know where it was. It was New York City, or I don't know exactly where it was, or New York. But mm. uh, I found it interesting when I saw that. That and that's what people are feeling. And when we talk about the numbers here and the percentages, it means nothing. What means something to people is the actual price that they're paying. And still, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, wow, wow. I just can't believe it's ex- as expensive as it is. And and uh, I don't know what it's going to be like a year from now. And these are some of the great unknowns. As we look at the politics and, you know, we've talked about Trump and DeSantis and, and more on that coming up and, and Biden and where he will be. And that's the great unknown because nobody uh, under the age of 50 recognizes any type of inflation like this. It's a foreign concept to them. They've never dealt with it. Well, and it is really the you get to the point and we've already gotten there, but families are dealing with getting to a point where they can't pay all their bills. You got to make a choice. Keeping the lights on, buying groceries. And it's over and over again because the prices are still going up. The rate of inflation may be falling. Prices are still on the rise. Which means many families don't have a choice. Because when you've made all the cuts you can make, then you have to go out and you have to get another job, more income. And I think it's clear Jerome Powell doesn't care about bringing inflation down. And that's not so it's not going to get any better anytime soon. I think he doesn't know. I mean, he made it clear last year when we're trial, still trying to figure out this inflation thing mm-hmm. as if, you know, I, I've just I've just got out of college and they told me to take care of this. Uh-huh. And and when he said that, I just I think they're in a case. And, you know, you've seen you were talking about some of the response out there. Well, we're not really sure. I don't think anybody knows because we're in a situation that we've never been in before. Nobody wants to say the reality, which is. You're going to have to significantly get on top of inflation, and you do that by raising the rates aggressively. Oh, and I agree with that, but yeah. I think they don't know what to do because of the bank situation. Yeah. Well, everybody is, again, trying to put this on basically one thing, one reason, and there really isn't a reason. I think it's much deeper with the banks that fail. I think it's much deeper than just anything with rates. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Five hours a night and still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, redeyeradioshow.com.
And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. All right, I'm. I'm <sighs> let's play it. Okay. Some of uh, uh, Senator Kennedy uh, interviewing Janet Yellen yesterday. All right. All right. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like <laughs> I'm supposed to be excited. All right, let's play this. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm being honest here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm so disgusted when, when, you know, you and I've sat here for as long as we have over the years, over the decades, upon yeah. decades, upon decades, yeah. knowing this was going to happen. And then seeing that it happened. And it's like, and, and they're still making, and, and what they're doubling down on the mistakes, you know, they're just doubling down on it. And it's just like it's just it's so it's so frustrating because uh, we we knew that doing this you were going to have you know mass you know mass suffering across the country and the inflation has caused mass suffering across the entire country. Yeah. Now we voted for this as a country. We voted for what you're feeling right now. You may not have individually as a conservative or a libertarian. But the vast majority of voters in this country over the last 30 years voted for this exact situation that we're in right now across the board on every single major issue that we're facing today. From the border to energy to inflation, we voted for it. Yep. And it's frustrating when you sit here and talk about it. And it, and we aren't rocket scientists. You know, this isn't, well, I can't understand it. Yeah, you can. Of course you can. We both come from blue-collar backgrounds. We understood it. There are no excuses. Well, it gets too complicated. No, it doesn't. You can't do this. You can't do what they've done. But I just want to let, let me let me play uh, some of this uh, uh, back and forth. Now, part of probably my frustration is I've already listened to it. So I don't. <laughs> it's like do I have to listen to the do I have to listen to the lunch lady again? Mm. Uh, but uh, here we go. All right. Thank you, uh, Senator Heinrich. Senator Kennedy. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Welcome, Madam Secretary. Thank you. Madam Secretary, isn't it a fact that the president's proposed budget for next fiscal year is a half a trillion dollars more than this fiscal year? She's looking it up now, just so you know. On the spending side? Yes. That's what a budget is. Yeah. (laughs) It it, it is about... About four hundred billion dollars. It's about five hundred billion dollars more, right? It's about what? Five hundred billion dollars more, right? About that. Isn't it a fact that uh, since two thousand and nineteen until today, I'm not including the extra five hundred billion dollars that y'all want to spend. Since two thousand and nineteen through today, U.S. population. Is has increased 1.8%, and the federal government's budget is up 55%. Isn't that a fact? Well, we had a pandemic. Isn't that a fact, though? Are my numbers not, right? I, I don't know those numbers. You don't know? You never uh, looked at that? I, I don't have those numbers in my head. I, I'm not disputing them. Okay. Um, isn't it a fact that the president's proposed budget proposes $4.7 trillion in new taxes? It does. It does propose 
significant additional taxes, yes. $4.7 trillion? Something like that, yes. Okay. You talked about reducing deficit. Isn't it a fact that under President Biden's proposed budget that gross debt will rise from $32.7 trillion at the close of this year to $51 trillion by 2033? Like I said, it's like pulling teeth, isn't it? I'm sorry, yeah. what number yeah. did you give me for? Uh, the president's proposed budget will increase gross debt from $33 trillion at the close of this year to $51 trillion in 2033. Isn't that correct? Well, debt held by the public, which is... No, ma'am, that's gross debt. Isn't that a fact? That's probably a fact. So you haven't reduced the deficit, have you? The, uh, the deficit, the debt and deficits are reduced... But the president's how, 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 budget. How can you go from $33 trillion to $51 trillion and call that a reduction in the deficit? Because that's a calculation for which you need a baseline, and then you compare the budget and the deficits in debt in the budget with a baseline in which there are no cha- none of the changes either in revenues or in spending that are proposed Here's my baseline. in the budget. Here's my baseline. At the end of this year, we project people a lot smarter than me, probably not than you, but smarter than me, say that uh, gross debt's $33 trillion. They say if the president's budget is implemented by 2033, it'll be $51 trillion. Isn't if, that a fact? If the president's budget is not implemented and none of the changes are made, it will be worse than that. And so the president's budget has improved the fiscal outlook relative to um, what we would have without the president's proposals. Even though he, it raises uh, gross debt from $33 trillion to $51 trillion, you say that's an improvement? It is, it is an improvement because it raises taxes by more, and um, it leads to— that's, That includes taxes. All right, you can see where this is going back and forth. Look, I mean, it's it's uh, we don't do this every day. Yellen does it every day, and it's very simple. The reason that they claim that they've reduced the deficit is because, and she said it, you know, the baseline spending, the baseline spending during COVID was way higher, mm-hmm. and so the the deficits were higher each year. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the projected CBO, uh, the the not Yellen and not the White House, but the projected CBO. Uh, uh, the Congressional Budget Office as to where the the projected deficit is with Biden spending that act de- deficit actually goes up. It doesn't now, and so he's saying it's down from COVID. Yeah, but we're not doing that spending. But was what was the projection of the CBO after the COVID spending was done? Right. Well, it's above what it was way above what they initially thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so he's playing the numbers game there, but it's just so frustrating because she can't articulate it. Like she does. It's almost as if I've, she has no idea what's going on. That's why I call her the lunch lady. The lunch lady has become the treasury secretary. Well, these are things that she should know. There's, yes. there are certain numbers she should have in her head when right. she says, well, I don't have those numbers in my head. 
Why not? It's I, your job. I know what the numbers are. Yeah. This and, is your job, and you don't have those numbers in your head. Yeah. And I just had to play it. I know it probably was frustrating for everybody to listen to, but <laughs> it was frustrating for me to listen to it for the, like the well, third time. Well, it's like somebody, again, is handing it to her for the first time. You know, she's she's going through and looking at all these papers. Uh, she doesn't have a binder, though, but she's looking through all these papers. And mm-hmm. thinking, well, I guess that's sort of, come on, I know what it is. Right. It's your budget. Right. It's like when he had to tell her that's what a budget is. Are you talking about spending? Yeah. Yeah. That's what a budget is. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, there isn't a competent person. No, there isn't. There. No, there isn't. She has no business being Treasury Secretary. Nope. None. She hit on something that's important to pick up on. It increases taxes. Yes. They don't care how we get out of this or if we get out of it, as long as we can increase taxes to the nth degree. And what do they always fail to take into consideration when they raise taxes in doing a budget? That it changes how people behave when you do that. Right. And so your revenue is going to not be what you project it to be. It, it hits, because it hits in two different places. Mm-hmm. It, it hits in the fact that economic growth will be slower then you're because remember the budgets are figured out by saying okay this is how much tax dollar tax dollars are going to bring in and this is the economic growth that will right. bring in overall right. more tax dollars but right. what they don't take into consideration is when you add those taxes how that will hurt an economy actually not fulfill what you believe you're going to get in taxes and not overall because of economic growth, the overall tax base increasing, which is why it's always more than they project that it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so hearing this, I don't know, for the last 34 years as a talk show host, and even longer, it's just, you know, it's it's BS. But everything's BS these days. That's why that article was so great last week from the guy who wrote that. I believe it was, was it Spike, the guy who wrote it. Mm-hmm. That everything right now, everything we're being sold is is delusion and bull soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't use that word, but everything we're being sold. Yeah, it is. Everything is just, it's all, and I wish I could say the word because the word has more, the actual word has more impact. Well, you know, by saying that word, it's like, it, they're just, they're just lying to you. The, and, and the even, truth doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And when the truth doesn't matter, then... Everything is off. Everything, there, there isn't anything they wouldn't lie about. And until we insist on the truth, until we actually care about it as a nation, it's not going to change. You know, uh, and, and they, I, I, it, yeah. the lies require, in, in this case, a great number of people to, to keep them alive. The truth remains whether you ever say it or not. Whether you ever acknowledge the truth or not, it remains. But a lie requires, in order to stay alive, multiple people telling the same lie. And they are very good at doing that. That's the one thing they do well. They're consistent. And they don't have to, and and honestly, at every turn, they don't have to 
tell the truth on anything. No. As we talked about all the, the five, six, seven major issues out there, they lie about it all. Well, they lie about they lie about energy. They lie about electricity. Right. They lie about the fact that we can run the grid on solar and wind. Yep. They lie about the border. They lie about inflation. And this is the new normal now with inflation. Get used to it. Uh, that's a great. They're point. not serious. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. It seems like every single day we have another s- liberal circular firing squad update. We mm. have one coming up on the top of the hour, and this is this is on electric vehicles. Yeah. And this is, you know, how 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 long and how intense has the left been pounding that electric vehicles are the future? Electric vehicles, electric vehicles. And we said, well, wait a minute. The Biden administration plans on blocking any mining in order to get the materials that you need to build electric vehicles well that happened this week they did it yep and so we'll get to that uh coming up plus you and i said earlier this week and even late last week when they had the unanimous vote to declassify uh you know uh, the the origins of uh, of of covid yeah yeah. Uh, and we said, well, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Right. It doesn't mean they're going to slow roll this thing as yeah. long as they want to. And it's like, well, they, you know, when are you going to release it? Well, you know, in 90 days. Well, we'll see. None of this is really binding. It's not binding. The, the president can simply say, well, I believe that that's classified and you don't get it. And we said, well, if you're going to do that, well, then is there part of this bill where you have to then bring in the gang of eight and the gang of eight gets to see it, which means the head of the House and Senate Intelligence Committee and Republicans get to see what you won't allow to be released because it's top secret. Well, uh, Secretary of State Blinken was testifying before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee yesterday. And as uh, Rand Paul said, you guys promised all this stuff. And then I got a letter saying, no, we're not going to do it. Right. And because most of this stuff's un unclassified and so we just went through this whole thing and he talks about it and we'll play it coming up on the top of the hour we went through this whole thing that okay we're going to declassify we're going to declassify well it does no good to declassify if you don't provide the the declassified documents to congress said from the beginning it's going nowhere and we said, Biden's not going to yep. release this. He's not going to do anything on this. And we said, why did every single Democrat vote for this when clearly they've been trying to block anything to do with the origins of COVID or the research of where taxpayer dollars have gone for it? You know, why are why did they all you know vote for this? And it was like, OK, either they're serious now. There's one of two choices. Either they're serious or they know this is just another stalling tactic. Yep. They know that Biden doesn't have to do anything. They can pretend to care by voting that way, but really nothing is going to happen. This is Red Eye Radio. On Westwood One. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today, our Red Eye Radio app, and you can listen when and where you want. If you cannot listen live overnight. And there you go. Well, here we are, end of March. Yeah, getting close to it. A little bit warmer temps coming our way. Wow. Before a cold front. See the tornado in L.A.? Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Got a couple of friends out there that said, yeah, we've had better weather. Well, I have a friend who does, um, he's a stunt driver. And he actually worked in the movie The Day After Tomorrow. That's greater. What it's funny because he is conservative, and <laughs> he got a call. He said very late one night, "We need you to be in this scene." Well, describe the scene to me. It was a bunch of tornadoes in downtown L.A. Oh, I'm, I know the scene. Yeah, yeah, it's a and great, he, and it's a great scene. By the yeah, way. so he was laughing, going, oh, "Okay, all right, I guess you guys are going all out." No tornadoes in L.A. Wow. And of course, now we've. It's. Did anybody state the last time they saw that kind of weather in L.A.? Well, how long it's been? No, never, because this is all climate change. Ah, yes, and climate first, change is first worse time than ever. ever. That's right. You I, have I, to. You hey, have to start there. You can't. I got you the can't, liberal answer. Yeah, there you go. It's never happened before, but it is wild weather. It is crazy out there right now. You know, the funny thing is when you talk about a day after, it was a day after tomorrow, mm-hmm. that movie. That, I mean, the uh, the tornado scene is really cool because there's there's like multiple tornadoes and it's almost as if the tornadoes are attacking all the, you know, the, the skyscrapers. Yeah, right. But it was just uh, the other day was uh, earlier this week. I think it was Tuesday. Mm. Tuesday, or, uh, yeah, it was Tuesday was the anniversary of the tornado in downtown Fort Worth. Yeah, that was crazy, watching that uh, play out on television here as there were a lot of cameras, of course, in that area and the glass breaking and everything else. But to watch it in inside of a a downtown area was wild. It was crazy. I'll never forget that. That was crazy. We're expecting uh, some possible weather in the next couple of days well they showed the some of the downtown buildings i saw one of the pictures mm-hmm. was it the bank building down there that got hit yeah and and yeah. uh it when it reminded me of you know a day after tomorrow because you really don't see scenes like that mm-hmm. and if you if you if you want to see scenes like a day after tomorrow uh especially the the one building that got hit in uh in downtown fort worth back in yeah. 2000 right and the funny thing is i i had uh come on my interview like the week before Hmm. and then i was supposed to talk to uh i remember because you know we had agreed that i was going to come here but we're going to you know work out a contract and i was supposed to call you know bob who Hmm. our old boss Mm -hmm. 
And I was going to, I'd like Monday hit. I says, oh, I'll wait till Tuesday because Monday's busy. And Tuesday's when the tornado hit. And then I didn't call the rest of the week. And finally, when I called the week after, he goes, what are you doing? You didn't call. And I said, you're a news talk station in, you know, uh, about uh, 17 miles from where that tornado hit. I figured you were busy all week. He goes, oh, I thought you might not be interested in the job. I went, no, I was being considerate. He goes, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But if you if you just put in 2,000 Fort Worth tornado outbreak, mm-hmm. you, the the pictures come up. Yeah. And it's almost – now, in the day after tomorrow, a guy is sitting there in the office or whatever, and they open the door, and the whole you know office is gone. The it's building's a, been torn off. Yeah, but, it's a ton and, of CGI. It's – Yeah. You know, of yeah. course, with the tornadoes, it's all CGI. But, I mean, there's so much CGI going on that it's it looks cartoonish. That scene does. Yeah. Yes, and, and and so uh, none of the building was, you know, you didn't have the structure that was ripped off, right. but the windows were blown out where I've never seen that before mm-hmm. in a downtown area ever from a tornado. That was mm-hmm. the first time I ever saw that happen to a, you know, what is that, a 30, 40, 50-story tower? Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting in there looking out the window and seeing that tornado hit, and then the windows start blowing out. Well, it was mind-boggling watch it play out, watching it play out uh, live on TV. You know, the cameras were rolling, and you had, of course, the you know the uh, cams uh, that uh, and in different tower cams that were in place back then too that were capturing a lot of that. It was crazy. Yeah, that was. Uh... Yeah, that was that was weird. I mean yeah. that that was I mean that was totally and completely unique. And I'm I'm looking right now the uh, the Bank One building. That's what mm. it was. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at I'm just looking at the picture right now, and all the windows are blown out. And you're like, yeah, wow, right. Now it's called the Tower. They call it now, but that's like I mean it's just I can't imagine. And you know, last week mm-hmm. was last week. Yeah, we had the yeah. Thursday. Thursday. It's like. <laughs> Are we having the Thursday storm with possible tornadoes and large hail? Well, I'm, it's become I'm, known as now Thursday is the day of storms here. Yeah, and we uh, saw that uh, tornado that hit. Uh, it's an it was an EF one tornado that hit last Thursday yeah. in our area, not too far from here. And then the one in the in downtown, mm-hmm. yeah, Fort Worth again. At least the rotation. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the the one, yeah, the one that uh, that uh, was up near uh, uh, Love Field. Uh, yeah, it hit, and I know that there was a there was a uh, an auto dealership that got hit, um, and not far from here. And you know, it's what's interesting is over the last several years since we've moved to this building, we've actually had tornadoes. Close to this building, very close, a number of times. That's new. I don't live far. That's new. Yeah, and you don't live far. I That's have true, been, right? I remember it was, was it, it was either Mother's Day, Father's Day, or Easter Sunday or something a few years ago, three, four years ago, and stepping outside and looking this direction. And you know it when you know it, you know it. It's a, it's this 
gray-green look to the clouds. When was that? A couple of years ago, because I remember sitting at home, and they, the rotation was right over here. Yeah. It was right yeah. here. Yeah, it was right here. Yeah. And it was like, whoa. Yeah. And right as I went outside, the the sirens went off. And and I always look at it like there's so much land area. Because mm-hmm. I play the odds. That what are the odds of, you know, that it's going to hit my particular house. Right. You know, probably a sixth of an acre mm-hmm. of the trillions of square miles mm-hmm. of land. What are the odds it will hit me? Yeah. And the funny thing is, a few times I thought it was very, very close. You know, there were tornadoes heading right to my subdivision. Right. And then they would go back up in the sky or they'd take a left turn or whatever. Right. i never forget the one time I was sitting and and probably it's happened five or six times and I've been there 16 years. But the, the one time where... Uh, you know, there was one that started really down near Venus, Texas. Mm-hmm. So that's about, mm, was, it, was it about 15 miles south of me? And then started heading up, and it, the direct path coming up, just direct yeah. path. I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be within a mile of me either way, so you start paying attention. And then it got to be about four miles away, and it was still heading in the direction you weren't sure. And so I, you could, it was dark. You can't see anything. Mm-hmm. So I opened my back door, and it, the wind's blowing like crazy, and I'm looking through the lights to see if I can see it, and I'm ready to jump into the center of my house. The last thing, you, you I, especially at night, the last thing I'd ever do is drive because you don't know where it is. Yeah, right. You can't see it. And so I'm trying to see the ground light, and all of a sudden, I mean, I've freaked me out. The wind's yeah. probably blowing 50, 55 miles an hour all over the place, and all of a sudden, it completely stops completely mm-hmm. i mean there's not a it went from 55 mile an hour winds to nothing and i'm like whoa and i just closed the door i ran into i had the you know the mattress and everything else in my bathtub it's the only time i've ever done that mm-hmm. and waited and all of a sudden the wind picked up again and you're like is this it is this it? Is, this, is it it and it wasn't it ended up going probably a mile the other side but before it got to my subdivision it went back up into the air and then came down about seven miles north at, at right on the local airport that we have. Right. Yeah. And but when when because all I'm thinking of low pressure when you goes from that to no nothing complete mm-hmm. dead you're like oh boy I'm dead <laughs> it's like yeah. it's gonna hit right and it didn't so some friends of ours um, uh, longtime family friends got into their shelter in, inside their home and in interior closet. And came out and pretty much every part of the house except for that closet, the roof was gone. Wow. And so I learn about that a few hours later. And then the next day I see him. There's a news report there. Our friends are walking the news crew through the house and explaining what they did. You know, we went into the closet. And when we came out, everything was gone. Yeah. Have some other friends that were in that December tornado a few years back east of here. And every house on their block except theirs was hit. Every single one. They had some car damage. Some mirrors came off of cars. 
And w- w- which one was that one? The one in December. Oh yeah, the, I, I was in I was in Buffalo. I'll never forget mm-hmm. when it hit. Yeah, hit like the twenty sixth. Yeah, and that was the one you had no chance. Right, if it hit. Yeah. No, it was it was if, if it, our if, sirens went off. If it hit your and, house dead on, you were yeah, and we weren't actually that close to the uh, tornado, to that tornado, uh, but the sirens went off. My mom called me and said, "Well, how's everything going?" Unaware of the weather, and I said, "It's going fine." I didn't want to scream, "Mom, there's a tornado warning," and the sirens are going off. I was actually getting into the closet as she called. It turns out it it went east of here and did some significant damage. Yeah, how many people were killed in that? I don't like recall. Twelve or something. Yeah, were killed I in don't that recall. One came down, and that one when when lightning hit, um, that's what I'll never forget. When mm-hmm. lightning hit, and you could see it, and it was a monster tornado. Yeah, yeah. it was like oh man. So yeah, yeah. How much? Uh, when are we out of this by like? Thing is, we're never really out of it. No, no, there's because a, we're never. I mean, we have more storms now, mm-hmm. but when because we, when the cold, we we get more cold yeah. fronts that come in behind the the uh, warm, moist air, and that that makes it a more active storm yeah. season. But it doesn't completely go away. No, when you have when you can have a tornado in December like they had. I mean, mm-hmm. who thought that was who? You know, yeah. At that point, you think, okay, we're safe. We're we're gone. You know, it's not March, April, May, June, okay. Mm-hmm. And then July comes and it's like, okay, 90 sunny days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> and so who's thinking December? But, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, it really uh, was. So uh, to all of our friends in L.A. and uh, California have been bet nasty weather. We've been talking about that for a couple of days. Hope you're doing okay. Yeah. A lot of water. Yep. Yeah, a ton of, a ton of rain and uh it's still springtime. In fact, our area is going to get some more storms over the next 24 well, hours. I meant so. in California. I meant out, yeah, yeah. out west. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to get some more storms probably in the next 24 hours or yeah. so. And so for those in the uh, southern plains, make sure you've got all your alerts turned on. 86690-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Will the Biden administration actually declassify um, uh, the COVID origin material and the research material of what we have done here in the United States on the research of, of COVID and the tax dollars given to the Wuhan lab and other research that's been done? Will they declassify it and actually give it to Congress? Hmm. Uh, we'll get to a back and forth uh, between uh, Rand Paul and Secretary Blinken coming up following the bottom of the uh, the hour. The State Department uh, funded research, and so we'll get to uh, that. Just looking at some of the other stories uh, here, the uh, number of progressives now starting to trash status quo Biden. They're calling him uh, right now. Plus the uh, story on the Nevada governor and other governors. Uh, going after Biden because, hey, uh, 
you're saying you want electric vehicles. We are saying we need these batteries. You're saying we've got to do it. It will save the planet. Yet you're shutting down mining in our states to provide you with what you need in order to get to your stated goal. Why are you doing that? So that coming up, but right there, there it is right here. We had talked about the Harvard professor uh, Rogoff last or earlier this week. There he is again. The Fed will leave inflation higher for longer due to bank fears. Hmm. Yeah, um, that's there. Look, I I haven't believed for a while that that uh, Jerome Powell was serious about inflation, but now there's every reason to believe that he pa- he hits the pause button, or again he does another point two five. When most believed before the bank failures. It was going to be a 0.5 increase on the next two moves, which would have taken us to uh, the target rate of uh, 5.5 to 5.75, ultimately, after two moves like that. But we're not going to get there. And if analysts believe that we need to be at a target rate of six or higher, that means inflation is here to stay for a while. Prices are going to continue to go up at the store, and that's not going to change. You know, the cost of living, I don't know, uh, you know, how in the world you're going to, you look at this and say, all right, um, we can get above this. The The problem is to be as productive as we need to do. Is we, we don't have the manpower for the jobs that would be required to fill those roles, even if the policy was a pro-business policy right now, which it's not. So I got to be honest with you, man. I, I don't know how far it goes. I don't know where it goes. This is the one thing, if if a Republican becomes president and is sworn in January of 25, the work that is that they've got cut out for them <laughs> I wouldn't want is insane. Job. Yeah. Because I don't know how you remember this is, you know, the the day Jim Acosta got kicked out of the press room. The actual conversation going on at the time was President Trump, then President Trump saying. We want more legal immigration. I don't know how you convince Americans because the polls show that they don't want more legal immigration and I don't know how you change that because that's the only way it's going to be that you're going to get enough people to to fill the jobs that would be required for that kind of wealth expansion and increase in productivity. There was that story uh, that we had touched on a couple of weeks ago about Republicans in Idaho that were viewed as traitors because they're saying right. yeah. we have to have more legal immigration. Right. We have to have work permits. Right. And we have stated that for the longest time, and it's simply a numbers game because you've seen what our economy has done over the last 80 years. Right. And they realized that there was plentiful labor, which there is not anymore. Nope.
Call and join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, we've had doubts here on, uh, on, on Red Eye, the Republicans, you know, celebrating last week. And we just said, well, let's really wait a little bit. Uh, that uh, they got uh, unanimous support from all the Democrats to declassify the uh, the documents and provide them to Congress within uh, uh, 90 days uh, for the origins of COVID, and the, which include the research to, to COVID and, and all that. And we just said, well, let's see what the president says. Well, mm-hmm. the president says, you know, the, he will release what he deems because it made it seem like it was sort of promoted that everything is going to be declassified and then given to Congress. Right. And then you had the White House saying, well, I mean, it's what the president will release. What the administration doesn't believe uh, is, uh, you know, um, is, uh, you know, is is pertinent to national security. And so it's like, all right, well, on those things that you don't believe the public should see, will Republicans in the Gang of Eight, see them. We've had no confirmation that that would happen. And we said, well, then wait a minute. Then you don't really have to give out anything. Well, what has the cooperation been so far? Uh, not not since last week, but in general, when it comes to things the government said they would give to Republicans, but did not. Here's a back and forth mm. between Rand Paul and Secretary of State Blinken yesterday uh, at the Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing. On September 12th and November 7th of last year, I sent letters to the State Department asking for records about coronavirus research that had been funded by the State Department. The State Department refused to comply. When Assistant Secretary Sherman came, I asked her the same question. She didn't seem to be aware that you had been funding coronavirus research, but you are. And I got the I'll get back to you line. A couple weeks later, I met personally with you at the State Department and asked you the same question. Will you not divulge to us the records of the State Department's support for coronavirus research, particularly in China? You assured me you would help. We communicated several times over the phone with another assistant secretary of state uh, who finally sent us a letter and said, no, we're not going to give you anything. So that's where we stand. And it's uh, my question is, what's the State Department hiding? Why won't you give these records to the American people? Uh, Senator, thank you. And, uh, yes, I appreciated uh, uh, you raising this when we saw each other uh, a month or so ago. Uh, and my understanding is that our teams have been working to find an a- accommodation. Uh, there's longstanding – We've got a refusal, blanket refusal. No, they are not going to give us records. Um, we cannot directly provide uh, the – Sure you can. Unredact- Unredacted cables. We have a long-standing practice with this committee uh, about how we do. You're refusing. But, you're refusing to release them. No, but not I that you can't. There's a difference between can and may. You uh, won't do it, but you can do it. My hope is that we can find a, a way forward that answers your concerns, so that you get the information that you're looking for. My understanding is that uh, our teams have been working on that, and I uh, commit to continue to do that, so we can get you the. The, uh, We're talking about unclassified material. Most of this is unclassified. And so we just had a unanimous vote in the Senate and in the House, 
and President Biden just signed a, a, a bill saying he's going to declassify stuff. But if you declassify it and you still hide it from the American people, that's a problem. I mean, we spend all of this time lambasting authoritarians and for lack of transparency. We have these silly networks on TV that are aligned with the Democrat Party saying democracy is under attack. What well, do you think transparency has something to do with democracy? You're refusing to give records on research, money that went for research. We want to read the research grant proposals. We want to read what the people in Wuhan sent back to the State Department saying they did. Which viruses did they create? Because the thing is, is it sounds all great. We're going to identify all the viruses of the world. But part of what they do is they take a virus they found 200 feet down in a cave and they mix it with another virus to create a virus that doesn't exist in nature because they say that's how we're going to further identify it. There's a big debate that should be had whether that's safe to take a virus from 100 feet down a bat cave 12 hours south of Wuhan and take it to a city of 10 million. And yet you won't help us investigate this. You refuse and it makes it is reminiscent of the countries we criticize for lack of transparency, and yet you sit there and say you're still going to continue to refuse. Um, Senator, I think there are very important uh, debates that certainly go beyond my knowledge and expertise, for example, on gain of function, um, that uh, I know there's a, a vigorous debate about whether the risk um, outweighs the reward. Okay, first off, he's not asking you the medical question. No, I, I, let's, I just want to do that. He's stalling. <laughs> let's continue. I don't have the expertise. Uh, to know that. And but how do we have oversight or investigate so, it if you won't give us so a record? We, so the uh, program that, uh, in this instance, USAID was involved in was not engaged in gain-of-function uh, work or gain-of-function. That's of a debate. But and, and that's your opinion. We'd like to see the records. So Fauci says there was no gain-of-function in Wuhan, and nobody believes him anymore. You know, again, there's a there's a I think an important debate about this, um, as I recall. It's not about the debate. It's about the people's representatives getting the damn records. Let's continue here. I, if I'm sorry, but I have to cut in. I'm just this is the mood I'm in today. <laughs> I I'm just so sick of the bull soup. Mm. Continue all during the. Uh, Obama administration, there's actually a moratorium put on... I know, but it isn't the debate. I don't want to have that debate with you. I only want to have the record. Again, I believe that we can find a way to get you the information that you're looking for. All right, but but the last last response we have from you is no. So the American public needs to know. I've asked many, many times. I've asked you in person. This is a second time in person. I've talked to two assistant secretaries of state, and the writing we get back from you is no. Not maybe, not we'll work with you. It's no. So, so that's Senator, where we are now. No, uh, and it's not, it's not no, just to be clear. We did reach back out to your team just as recently as this week to offer to provide all of that information in briefing form, which is to say... Uh, which means you get to read it and interpret it and spin it, and we get to hear your spin. We don't want to hear your spin. We're, we want to look at the dog. We're talking we're about grant. We're not. In, we're not. We're in talking the about grant proposals. You ask as you act as if we're talking about the secrets of the Manhattan Project. We're talking about grant proposals, and we're talking about grant updates where someone has to write in and say, "Oh, we did this experiment, and this experiment, and we got this result." That's what we're talking about. Same thing from NIH. Same thing from HHS. 
Everybody's hiding it. And it's not even really something to protect the Biden administration. Most of this stuff happened in the previous administration. But I, I don't get it. Why circle the wagons? Maybe there's nothing to see here. But then it makes the whole world think you're hiding something if you won't give it to us. Yeah, so just give it to us. It's a bunch of bureaucratic paper that we're looking to sift through to see if there are any clues. Because one of the biggest clues we have that they did this is they asked DARPA, and we only know this through a whistleblower, they asked DARPA for money to take a coronavirus and put a furin cleavage site in it to make it more infectious. And lo and behold, that's what COVID-19 is. It looks just like what they said they wanted to create with our money. And we turned them down. But that doesn't mean they didn't do the research. So, and it just went on like uh, like that. And uh, again, uh, you know, they'll refuse and they'll say, but we offered to cooperate with you now. And then they'll refuse again. Then But we, why? This is from last year he's been asking for it. Well, and, 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 and those are the nothing. things... And, he and points any, out something here that's very critical, and that is, oh, we'll give it to you in our own brief. Their own interpretation right. in a very brief form without getting you any of the documents that you have the right to see. Well, here, it's this simple. Uh, are they claiming that there's, that the you know, this doesn't seem to be anywhere where you'd be talking about uh, the safety of, of sources or assets in any way, which I'm talking intelligence sources. This is about the grants. They're looking, it's, it's very simple. They're saying, we want to see the grant papers. What did you do and what was the result of it? This is all internal in the United States, except for the fact that we the grant money went to Wuhan. They responded. Then we responded. They got the money. What was the result of the money? And what was the result of the research? And we want to see the actual documents. This grants are taxpayer dollars being spent. These are the people's representatives. I know it's a Senate, but they're still the people's representatives. When you say that, people think you're talking about the House, but no, also the Senate. Senate represents uh, the the individual senators, people of their states. And they're simply saying, we want to know where taxpayer dollars went and what came out of it. And the State Department in Blinken is saying no. How do we know they're saying no? doesn't matter if he says, well, we're willing to work with you now. You've said no. You've said you were willing to work. You've said no. And now you're saying we're willing to work again, and then we're willing to give you a brief. They don't want a brief. They want to see the actual documents to interpret them themselves as the people's representatives. By the way, when he said, when Rand Paul was saying, we don't want you to spin it your own way, he goes, we don't, and he never finished it. I was hoping Blinken would say, we don't spin it in our own way, but he never got it out. You decide what the, what is going to be told, and the fact of the matter is, is that our representatives have the right to see it. There is no justification for what they're doing. No, there's none. And so expect, and that's why we said with the, Repub- with the Republicans, let's not get too psyched up about this entire thing. All right, now we've got a unanimous vote. We're going to get to see it all. Well... Rand Paul was told last year, well, we're, yeah, we're going to provide all this stuff to you, 
no, we're going to provide nothing to you. Nothing. You got the unanimous vote because the Democrats in the House and the Senate knew. The administration's not going to budge. They're not going to give you a thing. Stall tactic. Yep. Think about that. Rand Paul said, we want to know what you have. They didn't even give them. They gave them nothing. Right. We're not going to share anything with you. Right. And then tried to make the case that it was, you know, classified, as you heard him try to make that case. And Rand Paul had to say, no, the vast majority is not classified. They won't share anything, which then you have to ask the question, because he made the great point. So much of this was in the last administration. Right. Why are you hiding it? That's the first thing, one of the first things that hit my mind early on. You've got all this ammunition politically. I mean, if you want to use it that way. If it's something that's negative, where does it go back further? And, and, and what does this mean? I mean, if you look at it, why would they be hiding it? Why wouldn't they want to share it? Right. What is it? Unless the only thing could be that would come back negative would be against Fauci and the CDC. Yes. And the NIH, excuse me, the NIH. Yeah. And the fact that we did fund gain-of-function research. Right. And that's why COVID happened. And it leaked from the lab, and they don't want... Because there is no other reason. No. What is the other... If you're an investigator, you're looking at what would the other reason be... For the entire government to say, which is the State Department to say, nothing. You get nothing. Oh, sure, we're going to share it with you. And then, then uh, Fauci, the, <laughs> Rand Paul gets the letter, nope, we're going to share nothing with you. Right. Why? What's the motivation behind, behind sharing nothing? Why is there no curiosity to say, look, we want you to see this here? Why don't Democrats, and I'm talking about the Democratic representatives, why is there no curiosity from them? We want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, where is the outrage from them? Yeah, They claim they do, but they're not going after Blinken or anybody else like the Republicans are. No. So I think they're trying to play it both. They're trying to ride that tightrope. Well, it's proof, which is, that it's proof of what we're saying. They voted that way knowing the administration wasn't going to budge. Right. Otherwise... They would be right there beside Rand Paul screaming the same thing. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. You think about it, though, whether it's Blinken or Corrine Jean-Pierre, there's really never any information given out. No. You know, think, no. think I mean, I, I saw yesterday, I mean, there's still the questions being asked uh, to Corrine Jean-Pierre. What, you know, Biden said he's going to visit East Palestine. When's that going to happen? You know, there's no talk about it uh, at all. They, you know, they won't discuss that after he said, after he said uh, that. They're completely denying the the White House is actually denying what the what Hunter Biden's lawyers have already confirmed happened, and that's the payment of the Chinese money. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. it's amazing, yeah. and and everything on COVID, they just won't release anything. You name it, they don't want to release it. We still don't know 
we have no idea why they shot down those unidentified flying objects, the three unidentified flying objects, and why they haven't shot down more. We right. still have no idea. And we won't ever know. It's not It's not going to happen. And we won't get to the origins of COVID. It's not the Chinese government that's getting in the way at this point. Yeah, you're right. It's our own. It's the American government. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690 Red Eye. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Hurley. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you wish. I'm telling you, the primary is fully underway. The unofficial Republican primary is uh, is fully underway because uh, not only, uh, you know, and we talked about this the other day, that DeSantis mildly, you know, after Trump has hit him a number of times, mm-hmm. finally, you know, hit back at Trump the other day, and we brought that uh, to you. Now the media is getting involved in it. Oh, yeah. Ready for this one here? All the right. New York Post editorial board. Mm-hmm. Here's a headline. Trump can dish it out, but his whole team whines when he slammed. Donald Trump is showing his glass jaw. The former president uh, uh, launches vile fact-free slurs at rivals, enemies, and even in the odd bystander. Yet when Florida Governor DeSantis, in an interview with the Post's Piers Morgan, mildly noted Trump's chaotic style and the alleged hush money to a porn star thing, Trump and his cronies completely lost it. Now, this is the Post editorial board. By the mm. way, that's New York Post is the one that uh, brought you the... Uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story, mm-hmm. and has been in the past has promoted a lot of the Trump policies as the correct policies. Yeah, uh, but it says uh, uh, Ron De Sanctimonious is not working for the people of Florida as he should be. He's too busy chatting with a ratings challenge TV host from England. Trump fumed in a Truth Social tweet. <laughs> He was dumping on Piers Morgan, who was simply interviewing DeSantis. Trump backer Steve Bannon called DeSantis a weasel. Mike Lindell slammed him as disgusting. Mm. Trump's son, (laughs) Donald Jr., uh, said DeSantis is pathetically turning to the liberal media. Did he really mean the New York Post? They put there against the... (laughs) That's the liberal media. On orders from his rhino establishment owners... You think this has any effect on what people think of DeSantis? No. DeSantis, whose record of standing up to the lockdown left far exceeded Trump, is a rhino? Trump even doubled down on his baseless suggestion that the Florida governor is a groomer. An utterly ridiculous smear he first echoed last month after a grainy picture emerged of a guy who looked 
like a younger DeSantis parting with young women, one of whom appears to be holding a beer bottle. It's perfectly fair and not all unhinged, you see, for Trump to ludicrously apply that the father of 2016 presidential race rival Ted Cruz helped John Kennedy's assassination Mm. and to call Cruz's wife ugly and to mock the looks of another 2016 rival, Carly Fiorina. Wow. Uh, I'm just I'm just remembering all that. Just remembering it. Yeah. 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 Uh, in, In a debate or to call his own former national security advisor, John Bolton, a dope or Mayor Michael Bloomberg, Minnie Mike, or his own niece, Mary Trump, unstable. (laughs) No one has lobbed as many childish bullying insults as Donald Trump. Sure, Trump faced an unprecedented onslaught of purely partisan fabricated attacks from the left during his time in office. The Post and DeSantis stood up for him during Russiagate and the rest. But DeSantis merely says out loud what everybody already knows to be true about the ex-president, that his term in office was plagued by drama and chaos entirely of his own creation, and he spends his time fighting with people on social media. The mere fact Trump world goes nuts and proves DeSantis's point. Trump cannot take a tiny bit of what he loves to dish out. Sad. Uh, you know, that's the New York... And so here we go. I mean, we're in, this, we're in the middle of 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 uh of campaigning here and that talks more about the politics next you know the back and forth which again it's going to go back and forth and that's what trump does we'll see what desantis does when he gets fully into the campaign if he does get fully into the campaign i think i mean and look there's points made there i mean trump will lash out at anybody and you know what desantis said back to him compared to what trump has done at times is extremely minor now we said yesterday with desantis uh, you know, saying he would have fired Fauci and Trump didn't. We said, whoa, that was pretty effective. Trump again yesterday going after uh, DeSantis's record as being weak on Corona on, on the coronavirus. That's a tough sell. It's an easier sell for DeSantis to just say, even if it's unfair to say Trump should have fired Fauci, I would have. And he didn't. So mm-hmm. he can't attack me. That's extremely effective, if unfair, because as we pointed out, Trump wasn't in office a very long time during COVID. Yeah. And by the time you got to October of that year, even September, nobody was, it was about the vaccine. It was about the, the, the major, the vast majority of what had came out in Fauci came out after uh, Trump was out of office, mm-hmm. but it's, it's what's uh, effective now. One other article, did you did you read the Charles Cook article in National Review? Pick one, conservatism or Trump, but you can't have both. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting point. Um, I guess it depends on what it is that the party as a collective actually wants going forward. And, mm-hmm. of course, everything starts in the primary. By the way, I did see the, the attacks on DeSantis over the last few days have been, well, he's establishment. The establishment loves him. He's a rhino. He's a, and I thought, okay, there you go. Um, Because that's the intimidation game, which is to say that if you support DeSantis, you support a rhino, that you're a rhino, that you're pro-establishment. 
I don't even know what that means in 2023, though. What does I, that mean? Well, you know, there's the thing, too, is that, okay, uh, if if Mitch McConnell supports DeSantis as the nominee, but I also support him, does it mean I support Mitch McConnell? No. Does it mean that I have, you know... Um, unwavering support for the establishment, whatever that is today? Yeah. No, it doesn't. It comes down to what it always comes down to in a primary, and that is who people believe should run against, in this case, the incumbent, Joe Biden. Well, understand that when uh, Charles Cook wrote the article, he's talking about conservatives, not necessarily right. the Republican Party. Right. Right. When he said pick one, conservatism or Trump, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you can't have you you can't have both. Right. Now he does and in it. I I believe he is un, uh, unfair. He goes the infantile uh, impatience is applied universally because at root, Donald Trump believes in nothing. Now, I disagree with Charles Cook on that. He does have some core beliefs. I would say uh, that's in fact far off the mark. Yeah. In terms of, because you can look at his record as president, and and you can say, look at the things he accomplished, or that he accomplished, and the so-called conservatives in the Republican Party wouldn't have gotten that a couple of those things done if right. he weren't president at that time. Right, and and so and but he he says he's uh, you know in it he says uh, Trump is not going to win election, and this is the big worry that this is what Republicans worry about. Mm-hmm. Trump is not going to win elections going forward. He won in 2016 because he ran against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And even then, he secured only 46 point, uh, 46% of the vote. In 2018, he was a drag on the Republican ticket. In 2020, he lost re-election by 7 million popular votes. In 2022, he almost single-handedly demolished the GOP's chance to retake the Senate. If Trump is not nominated in 2024, he will lose again. The same goes for 2028, 2032, 2036. (laughs) And every election season in between, Trump is a poor candidate. He has become worse, not better over time, and his time in the wilderness has turned him into a King Lear. Nor is Trump going to help other conservatives to win offices or to thrive. We can, of course, debate who is and who is not conservative, just as we can argue over which sort of conservatives we would like to leave the movement going forward. But that is not the endeavor in which Donald Trump is engaged. Whether Trump habitually divides the world into two groups, one full of people he likes, one full of people he does not like, and then backfills his reasoning on the fly. For example, uh, for Trump, there is nothing important in American politics besides the one-way personal loyalty that other Republicans exhibit towards him and his ambitions. Why are Kevin McCarthy and Elise Stefanik and Dr. Oz held up as desirable conservatives? Answer, because McCarthy and Stefanik are willing to uh, prostate themselves before him. Why, by contrast, are Brian Kemp, Mike Pence, Paul Ryan, and increasingly Ron DeSantis deemed problematic? Answer, because in one way or another, they're unwilling to see his line. Given a choice between advancing his own interests and burning down the entire American conservative movement, Trump would light the match. And, uh, and and again, some things I think you you could look at and go, okay, those are concerns. I think he does identify concerns of Republicans. To say that Trump doesn't believe in anything, I think, is way off the mark for, well, for but, Cook. It's almost as if his emotions got to him in that. But I will say this. 
I still have no idea what Trump thinks about an economy and how a United States economy should be run, and he spent four years in office. Mm -hmm. I still don't know. And that's because when he came in, he came in as a big protectionist and then moderated throughout, especially when it came to the uh, USMCA. Mm-hmm. We sat here and, you know, people would call us Trump supporters and say, finally, we got rid of NAFTA. We have a brand new NAFTA and NAFTA is completely wiped out. That was a load of horse manure. The yeah. US, USMCA is basically NAFTA with a new name and maybe, mm, I don't know, three to five percent change in it. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 it mirrors what NAFTA was. It was not nearly as protectionist. As the president said, he was, uh, as you thought the president was initially going to be when he went into uh, office. He changed his economic team as he went on. He brought in Steve Moore. He brought in, uh, oh, I got mine blank from CNBC. Uh, Larry, 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 uh, he brought in Larry, Larry Kudlow, mm-hmm. uh, that really brought a much more free market sense to it. Uh, and, and so NAFTA was, uh, again, there's, I've got huge problems with, you know, any managed trade agreement to begin with. But I'm saying compared to what NAFTA was compared to USMCA, they could be very close twins. And we didn't matter because all people cared was NAFTA was gone. His real loyal supporters, we cared about the substance of it. In fact, some of the changes that he made, we believe, helped, uh, excuse me, hurt producing automobiles mm-hmm. in Mexico, United States, and Canada and made them more expensive. Mm-hmm. That was something that he rallied as a good thing, and we thought that was a bad thing. We thought it was wrong of him. We, we, we believe, and we said this, and now when you come back now and think about it, you know, I think we were on the right path. We said, no, he should have challenged China, and the tariffs were okay, but going into trade wars with Canada and Europe was a completely useless endeavor. I think the big takeaway from the Charles Cook piece is his uh, Trump's ability to perform at election time, but also to carry the party. Yes. And, well, you know, well, there's the problem that I guess is, is, you know, for the GOP to figure out. But ultimately, what what can happen during a general between now and and and, you know, it's so wide open with Biden. And the whole Hunter thing being on the line and so many things that can get and will only likely get progressively worse with the Biden administration between now and November of next year that, you know, um, some may tell you anybody could walk in that isn't Biden and could win against him. But there has to be and this is this is the reckoning during the primary. Is this the candidate you want long-term? Is this the president you want long-term? Either way you go with Trump, it's only one more term at the most, mm-hmm. if he gets it. Uh, for it. Because there is, I think there is a, there are a few different schools. We heard from one caller the other night. We voted for him twice. I would vote for him again if it comes to that. But I'd pretty much rather have DeSantis. And there's also the the kind that I don't have a problem with Trump being president, but I'd rather have DeSantis. And, you know, so there are varying degrees of it's 
his time has come and gone. Well, I, I think the other important thing is because he's also talking not Republicans, but conservatives, mm-hmm. even if he's elected, which he doesn't believe he can get elected. Uh, and, and there's a great argument for that mm-hmm. with what has happened over a, a, a period of time, whether Trump can do it or not. Now, the his ace in the hole is Biden, as you said, yeah, because Biden is so bad, you just don't know what would happen. But when you look at, for example, we talked about this before, Trump was the one who initiated what is viewed as one of the most unconservative uh, policies ever from anybody who ever dared call themselves Republican, and it was the wealth tax. In his book. Yeah. In his book. Yeah, that's right. what I mean. Yeah, but he, yeah. I mean, he had dropped it by the time, but that does put in conservatives' minds, can he be swayed to things that are so incredibly radical mm-hmm. because they fit the populist moment at that time? And if he's a lame duck and he mm-hmm. has nothing to lose, would he, and there are conservatives that fear that if he was willing to go as far as the wealth tax... Mm-hmm. to tax wealth, to basically fundamentally change it, where government then doesn't just can control and tax your income, but can control your wealth, which is viewed as extremely socialist. Would he do that? Would he go back to that populist mindset? If, you know, if uh, I don't believe he would, but I, I don't think he'd go back there. But I'm saying that is a that is a mindset that exists uh, you know, in Republicans right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I, you know, I think the fear is not what he would do if he got into office. I think the biggest fear of Republicans is he can't win. Right, which is why it is all about the primaries, and that's where the conservatives have the most power, if you think about it. You know, and, and that's going to be it. They're, they're, they, in the GOP, they have that leverage and then it turns to the general with the independents basically putting you over the top. And can he do that, well, by this time, roughly this time next year, in the next 12 to 14 months? 86690 Red Eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA is the FMCSA Safety Compliance and Enforcement Program. Its goal is to hold motor carriers and drivers accountable for highway safety and to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities on our roads. CSA does this by assessing the safety performance of motor carriers and drivers based on data collected during roadside inspections, crash reports, and FMCSA investigations. Based on the data that is compiled, motor carriers are assigned a score. The carrier is then grouped with other carriers who have had a similar number of safety events. Carrier scores within the group are then ranked to determine intervention priority. Low scores are better, so carriers with the highest scores are those that are most likely to be targeted for intervention by the FMCSA. Interventions range in severity and may include warning letters, roadside, off-site, or on-site inspections, civil penalties, or operation out-of-service orders. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. We'll uh, continue uh, on our uh, discussion and also get to progressives that are attacking Biden now. All coming up. Democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. You know, just to uh, to finish up on that, uh, the uh, op-ed, or not op-ed piece, but the uh, a piece of National Review from Charles Cook where he said basically, you know, conservat- conservatism or Trump, but you can't have both at the same time. You know, looking back at uh, Trump, and and again, I I believe he's gone too far. He says Trump stands for nothing. Trump actually had, and you know, we we talked about what we viewed as his successes, where he might have had more populist, liberal thought processes, and in office, for example, on the economy and on trade, became uh, more more free market. You know, throughout his uh, term on foreign on uh, foreign policy, he was taking the sometimes over-the-top rhetoric that he would use or bizarre statements that he would make at times, he actually had a very effective foreign policy. We think that we, we've always thought that taking on Soleimani was a brand-new foreign policy for the United States. For, forget about going to war. Forget about destroying your infrastructure. We're going to go after your leaders who we know have killed Americans. Mm-hmm. So you leaders better watch out. We're not going to go after the people and we're not going to go after we're not going to get in a big war. We'll target your leaders as they did with Soleimani. And we've always thought that that was you know, extremely uh, effective um, uh, from him. What was oh, I was trying to think it, it popped out of my mind. Oh, a couple of things I want to uh, to bring up that he um, that he did. I'm sorry, it just popped out. I would say on on national defense, also uh, going after ISIS in eastern Afghanistan at the time. Um, but I think oh. he was very proactive in the war on terror. Yeah. Now, now on his rhetoric on Afghanistan, initially we said he's going to get out, mm-hmm. but after the debacle, he said I would have done it differently mm-hmm. and would have you know would have paid attention to what the general said. You know that you know who knows? I don't know what he would have done. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he would have done uh, 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 there because uh, he never got a chance. Mm-hmm. And and so it's um, you know the uh, the the jury is out on uh, on uh, on on that one. On um, you know one of one of the, I think the problems he did have is building. It's tough for it's very tough for somebody like him to build a consensus. But it's tough for any president to build a consensus now. Any Republican, you know, try to build a consensus and move through legislation is, you know, is extremely hard, except early on he did have his Congress. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of rabbit holes he went down, and there was a lot of things they could have done and cooperated with. And when you're the leader of the Republican Party, you're the president, it's your job to bring people together. He didn't do a good job on that the first two years. Well, to the extent that, you know, we talked about it then, uh, trying to get the funding for the wall. That should have happened yeah. while Republicans had the House and the Senate. And that didn't get done. And, you know, it look, 
it, it should have been a greater effort in at least every day him saying, I'm trying to get my own team on board here to get us the funding for the wall, get us the funding for the wall, get us the funding for the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they actually did or not would would have, should have and did fall on them. But the question would be, is there anyone in the GOP at this point that can build consensus within their own party? And some believe that that is uh, Governor DeSantis. Uh, it certainly has been demonstrated within his state of Florida. Now, the question is, can he make that happen on the federal scale? You know, there there were some things that, that could, uh, you know, bother you as a conservative, but then make you feel happy as a conservative. You and I remember when he was first uh, running and uh, he said, no, no, I support ethanol. I support ethanol. Mm-hmm. And he didn't say because of climate change. He just said, well, because, you know, it's what it's what the farmers want. Mm-hmm. And so what he was saying is, I'm going to run for president to give money to farmers for a product that the American people is don't want. That's not being a conservative. Mm-hmm. But what he did to open up natural gas and oil is being a conservative. Yeah. The right, the, right. the fact that he that, that Trump recognized, because remember, as he was talking against illegal immigration, and the funny thing is, when we bring this up, I'll get emails from you know, from Trump supporters saying he never said that. Yeah, he did. Uh, and, you know, with the fight with Jim Acosta, people don't remember it because it was the fight with Jim Acosta when he eventually got kicked out. But it was Trump talking about the fact that we need to have a lot more legal immigration. Mm-hmm. We need the workers. We don't have it. It's something that we had said for the longest time. And it caught us a little by surprise because that's not where that's at that point where you say, okay, at that point, he's because I think what Charles Cook is trying to say is Trump always just everything is political. So he whatever he feels is the populist point is is what he'll go down. That's not necessarily true. And on that, as you said earlier, because of the situation we're in, the American public doesn't want any more legal immigration. Mm-hmm. They believe we have way too much legal immigration. Trump actually recognized and went against probably a lot in his own party and many of his supporters by stating at that point, we need a ton of legal immigration. He understood the fact mm-hmm. that you're not going to have the baby boomer. You're not going to have, uh, uh, you know, uh, baby booms anymore. That's gone. You're not going to have women into the workforce. And that's a huge problem that we're starting to feel right now. That's going to accelerate very quickly. And so uh, when you think about, you know, he really didn't fall for the climate change crap. He didn't do And remember, Bush did. Remember how Bush, yeah. you yeah. know, oh, ethanol, this, that, this. I mean, Trump now, I wasn't happy when he said ethanol because uh, you can't win Iowa without it. Oh, mm-hmm. so you're willing to pay off people. That's not really conservative. Basically, I'll pay you off in order to get your vote. And then Ted Cruz ended up winning Iowa mm-hmm. at, at, at that point. So. You know, that's I think that leads to some of the uncertainty of of what Trump would do as a as a is when you look at what the conservative credentials are. But then let me get to this point, because we talked to a caller yesterday who said he was a conservative. Now, we don't know if he was a seminar caller or a Democrat just claiming he was. But he said there should be reparations. He's as conservative as can be, but there should be reparations because it would improve the economy overall. And we went, well, then you're not a fiscal conservative. But populism has come in to the Republican Party. I mean, I and I don't know. You can't really measure it. You can't quantify it. And 
I don't know how many Republicans would score as you and I did. Remember on the Libertarian test? What mm-hmm. were you, like 90%, 90 or? Something like that. And yeah. I was like 80, mm-hmm. you know, percent Libertarian, and which is a, a lot of overlapping with conservatism, but even, mm-hmm. you know, uh, more. You know, I don't know how many Republicans now, remember, people like us are dying. I don't know how many young people, young conservatives, actually have the same definition of being a conservative as we do. Which goes into, too, defending constitutional principles and defending, you know, defending the Constitution and defending, um, you know, the uh, the understanding of the three branches of government. And, and, uh, and so, you know... Well, I, what has changed is the definition in that many people have uh, expanded the role of government instead uh, of what are true conservative values, and that is limiting the role of government. And yeah. and that's the I think that's the big difference. Many people calling themselves conservative, but believe that the government should be doing things where it goes far beyond a limited role. And 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 I think that the Trump, you know, when we talk about oil and natural gas, that he understood as Democrats just and it's it's something that Republicans should hit more often. He articulated it a little bit, not as well as I wanted, but I know th- I know that's what he wanted to do. He understood. He again, he didn't communicate it, I think, as effectively as he could, which was one of the problems of the administration. But when you, if you go to the American people and say what we've said for the longest time for years, Democrats kept they screamed that the United States was fighting these foreign wars for oil, mm-hmm. and that was it. Well, we've got it all here. The power that the United States can wield if we uh, produce the energy that we have here is unprecedented. We have more than anybody. We lessen the chance of conflict Mm -hmm. and our interest in fighting in the Middle East, not fully, not fully at all, because there's there's definitely legit reasons to still be over there. You also take away power from the autocrats. And we've talked about this before in places that are oil producing countries, but all they have is oil. If the United States is drilling at full capacity, and I, this is something I think the Trump recognized, Saudi Arabia has to modernize more. Mm-hmm. Because something they realized, they realized it. Yeah, they and, realized. And when it. you know the former leader of Iran came out, uh, Ahmadinejad, and screamed, "Death to America!" and we want to wipe Israel off the map, uh, it wouldn't have the same impact if we have a greater control and we supply more of the war- world's oil. You're not going to have that massive, massive fluctuation in the price of a barrel of oil simply because someone like that says what they say. We can stabilize those prices by having greater control. And so finally he writes here, you know, talking about where Trump, we believe, was a conservative, uh, he writes here just to to end this uh, conversation, uh, that uh, where he wrote that uh, Trump believes in nothing. 
Sensing a fleeting political advantage, Trump has begun to throw the entire Democratic playbook at Ron DeSantis, who, because he has noticed that our federal entitlements are insolvent, has been labeled a wheelchair-off-the-cliff kind of guy. That is not helpful. And we disagree with Trump taking those hits. We disagree with the Republicans who are saying, we will never touch Social Security in any way. You have to. Mm-hmm. You have to. Either, I mean, you can do it. You can do it uh, Biden's way, tax people, you know, change the entire system completely and say we're going to tax another $4.7 trillion and hurt the economy if that's what we should do it. But somehow, you know, and that was for Medicare, by the way, not for mm-hmm. Social Security, but you're going to have to reform those entitlement programs one way or another. And by the way, they are entitlement programs. I don't want to get an email. They're not entitlement programs. Yes, they are because you're entitled to them because you pay directly into them. They It will not be as much of an entitlement program if Biden gets his wish and all taxes pay for it. Don't confuse it with sense of entitlement. entitlement yes. Uh, but he says, uh, uh, to divert blame for the performance of his ridiculous candidates in 2022, Trump insisted that it was Republicans' position on abortion one he once adopted himself that cost him the Senate. This is not helpful. Blinded by the cameras after the massacre at Parkland in 2018, and people forget about this one. They really Trump supporters completely forget about this statement that he made. Uh, he responded to Mike Pence's demand that any changes to the law must allow due process and no one's rights are trampled. Trump declared, I like taking the guns early. Take the guns first. Go through the due process second. That is not helpful. Writes Charles Cook. Mm-hmm. People forget about that. I remember when that happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you sit there and say, would he, you know, by saying that, that's not viewed as being a conservative in any way or pro-Second Amendment, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Even though with the judges he put in, though, he made it clear he is a conservative. The wealth tax, let's tax people's wealth. Really, the that the first major uh, time that was you know, that was talked about in our the political arena was Trump's book. Mm-hmm. And those are extremely, you know, his statement there after Parkland was an extremely liberal, non-Second Amendment statement. Now, he backtracked on it, but stating it is what people go, oh, wow, where does it really stand? Mm-hmm. And same with the, uh, you know, the, the uh, wealth tax at that point. Mm-hmm. And then conservatives wonder. Is he truly conservative? If he was if he was in a lame duck session, didn't have to worry about getting elected again, what would he do? Right. And how would his how would he put a cabinet together? Who would he put in place? Right. That's going to be a critical question because I don't know of anybody that worked for him before in that capacity that would likely go back. Again, with few exceptions. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, eight six six ninety Red Eye. But you can see in the media the campaign has has uh, has started. 
but uh, uh, interesting article. Uh, not that we agree with all of it from Charles Cook in uh, National Review. Uh, either you're for being a conservative or you're for Trump, but you can't be both. Uh, again, we pointed out where Trump was a conservative in areas where we feel he, he wasn't. But I think you're right on that when you initially said, really, the crux of the article is Trump can't win. That's that's the question is, you know, what is his performance been? Uh, and, and that's the takeaway from Charles Cook article. I would say that you could still get conservatives voting for Trump if they believe he can win. But that's the question. Do they believe he can win? This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.